friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Come inside. Right now. You are listening to Let's Talk Hemp and the 422. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. I am your co-host, Morris Deagle, here with my brother in hemp spirit, Rick Trojan. How are you doing, my coronavirus quasi-quarantine brother? That's a lot of Q's and C's and Q's and C's, brother. I like it. Way better than T's and C's, you know, because those are a pain to look at over and over and over. T's and C's. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, quarantine's been good. We have, here in Colorado, we get a little bit of uh, respite. We now have moved from stay at home to safer at home, which means they recommend you be vigilant, use social distancing, but they've opened up more delivery. I think they've opened up potential hair salons and such. So, yeah, it's a little, I guess, a little different. What do you think? Well, I would agree. It's supposedly, I read Polis's information that he put out there i get his emails every day and yeah i could definitely use a haircut and i know one thing you could certainly use a trimming of the beard man it's my covid beard so i don't know when i when i get to shave it off is it like it's kind of like you know like the nhl playoffs i don't know if i shave it off when are the playoffs over when is the covid it might not be over till like summertime now or next year you might have to wait till after the super bowl which might not happen we might not even have an nfl season this year is that what they're saying already? I don't know. God, I I hope not. Well, I mean, I, you know what I mean? We don't need to give more money to billionaires, honestly. I mean, I gave up my season tickets a couple of years ago, but I'm not going to cry, you know, over non-spilled milk that's not, that's unneeled. You have kneeled milk, kneeling milk. Right. Well, guess- aren't you interested to see Tom Brady play for the Buccaneers and now that Gronkowski's coming back? And here's the thing. So Gronkowski's got this CBD company or he's the spokesperson for a CBD company, right? And CBD still has yet to be acknowledged and approved by the NFL, correct? Correct, but CBD Medic, right, on the other hand, it does have FDA-approved formulations. Well, how does that work in with the NFL, I wonder? So NFL is researching it. So you know our boy Jeremy, right? He was an NFL Players Union uh, treasurer in yeah. L.A. for a bit, uh, but he... He's been involved in the in the hemp space for a while with us, and he uh, he said that the NFL is looking at CBD apparently, but they're trying to figure out how it how it plays a role in the regimen, right? Because cannabis is still illegal in the NFL. Yeah, and they basically shot down doing anything else with cannabis this year, correct? Or are they now not uh, punishing people like they have been if they test positive? Or are they not testing now? I think it's a combination. I think they, they they reduce the testing periods or windows, and they're also, I think, not uh, punishing. I mean, they used to, I mean, Ricky, what is it? Ricky Williams ended up leaving the, the game because of that, more or less, if I recall. But it's just, I think they're just, they've lightened up on it, and they haven't, and they're not going to eject you from the NFL if you test positive for having THC in your system. But yeah, so CBD Medic is a is a over-the-counter active pharmaceutical ingredients with CBD broad-spectrum distillate. So... That's the difference, and that's they just recently sold to uh, CW Hemp. But yeah, so Gronk's back. I mean, I, yeah, honestly, man, I don't. I'm, I'm probably not going to follow it. I'm sure I'll hear about it over and over. But 
I am watching some good Netflix and The Last Dance about Michael Michael Jordan and the Bulls. That's a pretty good series. That's not the Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, I've wanted to watch some of that. The, the the Jordan highlights from the eighties are like ridiculous. Yeah, like late eighties, early nineties to mid nineties. I mean, it's 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 both the three peats and kind of the whole thing and Rodman and Detroit and it's good, man. You know, let's take take your mind off of work for a moment or two. Yeah, we've watched the Explain series the last week, which there was some all right stuff in there. There's the future of meat, which is going to be interesting now with all the meat issues that we've got going on because of coronavirus and plants shutting down and Trump wanting to keep everything open. And all of a sudden we're destroying all these cattle and pigs and stuff ready to go to harvest. And it's, we're in quite the fucked up situation, it seems like. Yeah, my boys uh, handles a lot of the pork, actually all the pork for a province in China and as well as father's company. And they had to slaughter a lot of their pigs, most of their pigs, because of the virus. Yeah, our food supply system and the supply chain is going to be a problem. Well, it's a problem if you're not a vegan, right? So if you're a vegan, you know, you can get local, you can get homegrown, and you don't have to worry about what pigs are eating because you're not eating pigs. Well, it's a good reason for people to start eating hemp. You know what I found interesting, actually, in the, in the call we had uh, with, some, with some folks this week, but, you know, have you seen that movie Planet of the Humans? Not yet, but I've had several people tell me I need to watch it, and I'm going to watch it here. Before this broadcast, I'll watch it here in the next couple of days. It's on my list. So then, so for purposes of this broadcast, you can say yes. By the time it comes out, you've seen it, and you can say, wow, it was amazing. Yes, it was awesome. You will say that you can't believe that we've had all these increase in wind and solar and all this, and we have still the same amount of fossil fuels being used and fossil fuel and natural gas and coal and, and now wood chips, right? Timber is potentially being considered by the EPA as they call it de minimis, but essentially renewable resources, zero carbon footprint, renewable resource. So timber, which we know is not renewable, uh, is about to be identified by the EPA. But however, the EPA has not differentiated between what is called, you know, biogenic CO2 and fossil fuels. So essentially the corn stalks, or, you know, the broken down corn, the broken down hemp stalks, any of the agricultural, renewable agricultural crops are considered pollutants from an energy standpoint by the EPA, like fossil fuels, which is the only place in the world that does that. So we consider our corn the same as our petroleum, but wood chips are now going to be okay, apparently. So we need to uh, raise people's awareness of, of this and make sure that when we say renewable, we're talking renewable and we're talking regenerative which we'll get into today with Dion and Shane, but it's crazy how the laws are being manipulated so that things that aren't renewable are being declared renewable, right? Or zero carbon footprint, which is absolutely absurd. As you know, right, with tree-free hemp, right? How many, it's what, one acre of hemp replaces four acres of trees? Correct. And an acre of hemp you can grow in 90 days compared to how long does it take to grow trees and if you got the genetically modified tree farms it might be eight to 12 years but if you're talking just regular trees then we're talking 20 to 50 years yeah i mean it's it's just it's but it doesn't need to be like that's the whole point like it doesn't need to be right but like it can be the other way right it can be renewable it can be sustainable but unfortunately it seems like the paradigm keeps repeating itself for some reason it's a it's an interesting movie. It'll be interesting to see your thoughts next time we can talk about it. But it sheds a light on on something. I mean, I'm not surprised, right? But it just to understand that the depth to which some of these companies and entities go behind. I mean, even 
associations that are, you know, for environmentalism and renewable resources are, are being backed by, you know, the timber industry and these sorts of things to get these laws in place. It's just pervasive. You know, it's everywhere. Pretty messed up. Pretty disheartening for sure. We just did this Earth Week virtual conference and trade show, and we talked about Earth Day and the 50th anniversary of Earth Day that just happened, and back on the very first Earth Day and how that influenced Congress to start the Environmental Protection Agency is not an environmental protection agency at all. Well, isn't it being run by Scott Perry from Texas? I think it's Scott Perry. Steve Perry. Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Steve Perry. You're thinking a journey, bud. Dude, so Steve Perry would not do that to us because he's a good dude. He's a singer of Journey. He rocks. Rick Perry, Dick, Rick, uh, Richard, Dick Perry is, uh, would do that to us and is. It's actually James Richards. So J, JD, James Dick Perry. So he uh, is the, or was the environmental secretary of energy, actually which is interesting. So he's not head of the EPA. We got to make sure that we're clear. We want to be factually correct. Yeah, but here, according to, you know, we're saying he is the uh, Secretary of Energy. And he was an Eagle Scout, a distinguished Eagle Scout. That's you were an Eagle Scout. Scout. That's true. We are, he is in, I guess I'm in his uh, category or vice versa. I don't know. His flock. I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to even admit that on air for sure. But at any is rate. There such thing as a, is there such thing as a flock of eagles? No, I think it's something even cooler, like a, like not a herd, but like like a, I don't know, like a king's quarm of eagles or something. I don't know. Something something better than a flock of eagles. Well, you uh, could have a flock of seagulls. You could have a flock of seagulls. I guess it wouldn't be. Oh, a group of eagles is called a convocation. That's what it is. A convocation. So that's like you know religious. That's super religious. That's why I was getting after it. <laughs> Do you got the Google going on over there? Buddy, my fingers are doing the walking and my lips are doing the talking, and it's, it's a win-win. But uh, we're learning tons tonight over here. That's what happens when you're in quarantine? You gotta you learn to be efficient. Yeah. But we got a we got a good group coming up uh, coming up today. We got uh, Dion and and Shane um, from Hemp Spirit Extracts. What are they going to get into today, Mo? Well, they're going to talk about. So their mission is to revitalize regenerative industrial hemp-based agriculture for the health, safety, and welfare of the planet and provide cannabis CBD-based supplements through sustainably cultivated and handcrafted whole plant hemp extracts. And Dion has been a friend of WAFPA and an advisor to WAFPA probably since 2015. She's just a, a great woman and her partner, Shane, another great guy, and he's, he wrote a book, and he'll talk about, uh, at least he'll mention it, I think, in, in the interview coming up. But those two and what they're doing is really inspiring. Agreed. Anything else we want to go into before we get these two up on our show? Yeah, let's bring them out. All righty. We'll get Shane and Dion up here in just a second. Welcome back to Let's Talk Imp in the 422, Season 3, Episode 4, with our guests Shane Davis and Dion Holmquist from Hemp Spirit Extracts. How are you two doing this evening? Wonderful. Thank you for having us here. Doing great. Thank you. Appreciate you making the time to come out. Dion, I think I was, Mo had asked me when we were getting ready for the episode if, if I knew who you were, and, and I told her that we spent some time together on the beach in Hermosa. Uh, the volleyball yeah. tournament a couple of years ago. So, um, very good right. to hear your voice. Yes, good times. 
you're doing some amazing stuff there with uh, Hemp Spirit Extract. So tell our audience, just to elaborate on what your mission statement is. Sure. So our mission is, I'll just read it and then I'll kind of explain it. It's to revitalize regenerative industrial hemp-based agriculture for the health, safety, and welfare of the planet and to provide cannabis CBD-based supplements through sustainably cultivated and handcrafted whole plant hemp extracts. Essentially, what it is is a small farm operation that is really boutique. We have an expansive library of genetics that is proprietary. We've been collecting genetics for about 20 years around the world. So we're using these types of genetics for basic malady-specific varieties. And our practices are organic. So we've got all organic methodologies through the cultivation and the extraction and the formulation of our CBD products. But the regenerative piece is really important. You know, we take great care in creating conscious capitalism in in the way we operate. And this is something that we educate others, other farms around the nation, all over the nation and other countries as well, so that you can have regenerative practices where you can grow year after year after year with companion plants, symbiotic relationship plants, and really doing things in a holistic manner that take care and respect the plants, thus the name Hemp Spirit Extracts. So when we were talking a little bit earlier, I know that you work with both native tribes as well as irregular small farmers across the country. Can you explain how your mission at Hemp Spirit Extracts assists native country and the indigenous folks that you work with? Certainly. One of the primary aspects of what we do is it's a journey back to nature. You know, we're in this sort of systematically removed from nature world with all kinds of technology. And when we're building regenerative small small farms, that it's a practice that the natives know very well, traditional ecological knowledge. We share all of this with native and non-natives, where cannabis itself is an ancient teacher plant. I co-authored a book called The Return of an Ancient Partner, Hemp, because these are ancestors. These plants have been here way before us. They're photonic beings, and they carry spirit within them as well. And so with the native tribes and non-natives, we take them on that journey back to nature to reintroduce themselves to that plant spirit medicine. And it's through cannabis primarily that we create these hemp spirit extracts. And so our sort of teachings with natives is that it's a learn. We all learn. We learn from them, their traditional ecological knowledge, and then ours we share with them. And so we bring those genetics to the table for them. and and create that real spirit, plant spirit medicine, essentially, in their own ways. It's their own vision and their own methodologies of their own tribes. And so it's not us coming in saying, here's how it works. It's us coming in saying, here's what we have, here's what we know, and let's learn together and grow together in a regenerative way so that what we do now feeds the future. I think that's great. I think typically about one third of your um, of your work there is based on native and helping indigenous tribes. But one thing we talked about before that I'd like to just touch from on a cultural standpoint, and Dan, if you could elaborate on this a little bit, but essentially we don't talk about the people uh, from the tribes you represent or the tribes themselves. We don't. We're very cognizant not to mention their name because they're not here. Help us uh, help our audience understand the cultural background. Why don't we talk about someone when they're not here? What's the different ways or or respect which which said that given? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know it's the baseline. It's just the respect level and and really what you know I have learned and 
what I've learned to respect and, and see both sides. And honestly, just to bring up, you know, Rick, you you uh, went out to Uncle Alex's place. You took the hemp road trip bus out there. And mm-hmm. here's just a perfect example of the reason I had asked, you know, and wanted you guys to be out there and be a part of that was because it's not for me to share their journey or their story. As we all know, we see things through a different lens. And we interpret things differently, and we're going to relay it differently. And so it's never been for me to share anybody's, I don't even want to say struggles, but their, you know, their achievements. It's for them. And and it comes across much better and more when they're passionate, when you're hearing it from them. And you guys have done a really great job with NOCO and, you know, the road trip. You guys have highlighted, you know, people like that with Alex. And I love that and respected that. And they respect that about you guys, that that you guys have opened the doors and given them the platform to share their voices and their stories. And also, it's, it's from a side for me personally, it's to protect them. Because the moment I say a name or do anything on social media or whatever, you know how it is. It can be used for good or bad. So you hear me a lot of times saying, you know, use your, your powers for good. And that's what, again, I can't say enough about WAFA and, and NOCO and you guys. Is you offer those opportunities, not only for me, but for my indigenous brothers and sisters to get up there. And, and like Nick, Nick Hernandez has given me the okay, I guess, to say his name. And, and he, you know, as, as Shane was talking, you know, we are very select. And it's not really that we select the people that we work with. It just naturally happens. And somebody like Nick with Makochi Agriculture in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, is just, if you guys could see and hear the conversations between him and Shane, it just is beautiful because Nick gets it. And so when we go into these, or we're called or asked to come into these communities, I should say, it's really beautiful because the people just identify themselves and we're able to really jump in and meet somebody like Nick, where that's his community. He knows the culture. He's already building practices for his own traditional ways. And we just come in and jump in wherever they ask us to and support. And as Shane said, you know, we learn and they learn, and it's just a beautiful relationship. So that kind of went off on the respect of them not being here. But, you know, that's just, that's the way I've learned it is that they should share it. Because a lot of times, especially with Pine Ridge, it comes out of the, oh, the poor, poor Pine Ridge and this and that. And, and every community has struggles, but my God, the, the resilience in a lot of these communities have, have been great. And we've seen it native or non-native, whether they have checks coming from the oil industry or casino industries, or they don't have checks coming, or they do have checks coming from the government, you see the same issues and, and opportunities. So I don't know if that answered some of your question there. I have one yeah, thing if I could add to that. It's that, you know, it is that ultimate respect when your company is not with you that you don't speak for them because, as we know, the Native tribes, people have been speaking for them for too long, and now they have their own voice, and they should have their own voice. So it's really a matter of respect in a, a traditional way. And so that's sort of what we're where we're at. You know, we, we don't talk for them at all. We don't speak for them. We speak with them. I'd like to thank you, Dion, for uh, helping us the last several years at NOCO as we spotlight and try to highlight the indigenous tribes around the country and bring their voice and concerns to the NOCO stage. And often we've had Muriel Youngbear and Mark Gringyon from Hempsteed Project Heart and letting them tell the story. 
You know, we've also had Winona LaDuke and hearing it from them. And I'm a white guy and I, I certainly can't speak on behalf of them. And I've, I've never tried. And we're just trying to build as much of an inclusive and diverse platform as possible, because all of us have to come together. We're all humans. We've got one planet mm-hmm. and this is all we're ever going to have. We're not going to populate Mars. We're not going to populate Venus. We're not going to populate the planet. And if we don't take care of this one, that's it. And I think going back to their trials and tribulations, and their knowledge of the land is what's going to really help us move not only this plant forward, but agriculture and, and the whole basis of being in tune with Mother Earth and nature. Absolutely. We're definitely not going to end up you know, moving to Pluto, Neptune, or Uranus either, right? But <laughs> to go back to, we're going to name all the planets there, we can, uh, to go back to your point, Dion, I think the joy of, of being out there, and, and thank you again for having us out there in the Dakotas a couple of years back, but it was it was a magical time because the fight had been, from what I had understood, right, as someone from the outside had been ongoing for so long, and just, and the stories themselves, right, are so powerful that, uh, I mean, as long as we can get out, can get out of the way, right, and let the stories be told, I think to your guys' point, that's the best way, and let the, let the authors of the stories tell the stories. They were there, and they lived through it, so I really appreciate that perspective. Which goes on a bit into segues into uh, you guys have another group, another entity called Slow Hemp. Essentially, and you're talking again, Shane. You want to give us an overview of what Slow Hemp does? Sure. Slow Hemp is sort of a spinoff of Slow Food and Slow Money. Slow Food was created in Europe in the 1980s that pushed out fast food. Essentially, anything that's slow is real because it it takes its natural time. So slow hemp itself, we know that we've seen a huge rush, large farmers pushing these plants and just forcing and beating out that CBD and forcing it into an isolate and doing really, really non-slow things. Slow meaning quality, right? So slow hemp is more of an upper elevated organic status methodology that small farms, natives and non-natives actually uh, sort of follow these steps that you know, we're going to be gaining our certification process through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And, you know, we're certainly open for more information on how to put the criteria together so that the farmer follows these really conscious steps of, you know, buying locally, sort of that ripple format, as it were. You buy locally and then you, if you can't get it there, you buy in the next town or, you know, across the way. But it's uh, organic methods that are cultivation, the extraction methods are the same, and then the formulation methods are all, like I mentioned, sort of an upper elevated organic status, but it has real conscious capitalism. You can make money as long as you can respect what you do and respect the land, respect the water, and ultimately work with the plant in, in sort of a companionship way. And so it's really a journey back to nature for the grower too, the farmers, but also the formulators. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this is traditional ecological knowledge that we get that journey back to nature in our practices. And so with slow hemp certification, it is a long process. It can be a long process, just like gaining USDA organic certification is. But once you reach that, then you have that slow hemp certification. Again, it's a nonprofit. So the only MO is that we do things consciously and we respect the plant because it is plant spirit, plant spirit medicine that we're making that big corporations can never obtain or attain that certification. And so it's really just for us and anybody that wants to do it, really, that can qualify to say, 
we're going to grow in the most respectful way with nature for the ultimate reason of providing plant spirit medicines for the people. Have you spoken to any of the farmers out in Hawaii by chance? Yes, I have. I was out there hmm, several years ago. I haven't been out there since, but I have, yes. Because just hearing you explain this and having an event out there the last three years, we've had the Hawaii Hemp Conference, and we've also partnered with the Hawaii Farmers Union United. And everything that you're saying is so in tune with what they talk about. And I just see you need to talk to to Vince Mina from the Hawaii Farmers Union. Exactly what you said is what those guys are doing. Even at that time that I was out there, I was working with, with a group that is from Samoa and Hawaii and the Farmers Union. In fact, I think it was the president of the Farmers Union that was there when I was explaining Slow Hemp 2015 or 16, I think it was 15. But the sort of their their program was to reintroduce breadfruit throughout the South Pacific and the Pacific Isles. And they, they touted it as a miracle plant, which it really is. But it takes several years for it to actually produce any type of fruit. And then I introduced hemp into that whole conversation as a miracle fruit as well, because it can grow in between those plants. But also, when we think of the natives, hemp can create energy democracy, can create food democracy, it can create medicine, medical democracy. So in a sense, these are the true seeds of sovereignty. And so... That's what we're trying to protect. We're just guardians of this path, I guess. And I think why why the natives in Hawaii, right, and what Slow Hemp is doing, and, and the natives really, as we travel all over the world, they're connected. There's a connection to the earth, right, that seems to, that is so strong that it, that harming the earth and making, making it toxic, right, isn't even on the realm of possibility, right? So I think that's why there's so much in common, because globally, right, that connection to the earth, that not only, to your point, Shane, sustainability, but regeneration, right? Leaving the earth so it can regenerate itself and continue to provide on an ongoing basis, take only what you need, those sorts of things. So I think there's a common thread across time and across, you know, cultures and across location that uh, on this regenerative connection to the earth. And I think we're seeing that and you guys are realizing that, you know, every day with what you're doing with Slow Hemp. Yeah, that's a really great thing. You know, that's the way it used to be in I hope we can continue to share that with others that share the same concepts and the same intention. Is there anything else that you would like to to add about what you're up to? Any future plans or what are your plans, I guess I should say, now that we're kind of in this new COVID coronavirus mindset right now? How do you think that's going to impact what you are doing here in 2020 and going into 2021? I'll just say a couple of bit and then turn it over to Dion. I really think that this is a time of introspection, and it's also a time to realize that nature has all the answers, only if we're listening. And working with cannabis CBD is such, such a joy, but we have thousands of different cultivars of cannabis CBD genetics, and we're doing genetic trials. So we're, we're understanding how this plant already has the answers to a lot of our problems that you know, the big pharma empires have basically taken away from us. And now what we do matters and how we do it matters even more. And so our conscious practices with intention, doing the right regenerative practices and searching for those genetics that can heal specific illnesses 
uh, is really, really what we're doing. And then creating those and handcrafting those formulations with that intention, with the plan, really changes the outcome in the medicine, if we can use that term loosely, of the people that take this versus what big empires are going to be pushing down everyone's throats. And so I think our relevancy is going to be not only sustained, it's going to thrive, especially if we can share our knowledge with what we have and learn from others and keep these types of practices in play. I think that, you know, the future looks good. Yeah, and I would I would echo that, and I would also add that I think it's, you know, unfortunately at the cost of people's lives, the economy, the society, everything is, is changing, as we know. And I, I see that with what Shane and I have envisioned, and again, what's organically happening with hemp spirit extracts and slow hemp is, is really about localizing, you know, the economies. And that's really what I see happening. So I see with the the projects that we're working on, they they're continuing to go. And I looked at Shane the other day as we've been quarantined together for four months, just he and I on this farm. But I looked at him the other day and I was just like, you know, honestly in, in all of this that's going on, we are really grateful with all of the, you know, opportunities and it almost sounds horrible to say that, you know, but these opportunities that are have presented themselves for us to continue to create, as Shane said, medicine loosely and continue to use our powers for good. So it's still, I still see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. All right, guys, thank you so much. It's been a great interview. Thanks for shedding light, sharing uh, your experience and, and what you're doing to help move the industry forward and specific to the natives and uh, the native population. So hemp can make a huge impact economically, socially, culturally. It has, and it's beginning to again. So I uh, appreciate all you do. Let's get into our uh, our four questions we ask all our guests. So first we'll go with Dion and then Shane. What are you guys, what are you most thankful for in the hemp industry? What I'm most thankful for in the hemp industry is, wow, holy cow, it's like being on a game show, like TikTok. <laughs> and you win every time, um, too. I know. You know, honestly, what I'm most thankful is just truly just being here and and everybody for, as you've heard me probably say before on social media, but everybody before me and after me that is continuing to be a part of this industry. That's what I'm thankful for. Because whether it's one day, one minute, or 20 years or 20 centuries ago, everybody that's fighting for this industry is a part of it. I think that our, our answers kind of overlap, actually. It's, you know, all the activists before us that had sacrificed literally everything to include their livelihood and possibly even their lives to fight for this plant. You know, it's those guardians of the plant that are going to allow it to thrive and allow us as people, human species, to thrive. So it's really everybody now and before us, but now that continue to protect this plant and to liberate it. Because even though we think this plant is liberated, there are too many lobbyists out there that are trying to still take it away from us. This is nature. And that's really what I'm grateful for is every single person that understands all of that, that continues to protect this plant because this plant is for the people. Amen. What do you think that the largest opportunity and or challenges for the hemp industry today? Oh, man. You need to go first on that. You want me to go first? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the opportunity is kind of, you know, what we had mentioned before in our discussion is it's an opportunity to 
really liberate the plant and to free that medicine for people to have medical democracy in real plant spirit medicine. That, that way we're not subject to those corporate big pharma empires that force us to buy what they have to sell. We're looking at an opioid crisis of epic proportions, but it was all by design. And so that's a great opportunity for us. What I fear is, again, the lobbyists coming in, trying to, to steal this plan away from us because they find only a dollar sign in it as their value. We find value in this plan in so many beautiful, magical ways that it's really on us to continue to march forward side by side to be our own lobbyists, to protect this plan, to resist those big empires from taking this away from us again. Just another example of what they can do. And here we are. This is our one opportunity to, to protect this plant. I say I see an opportunity that's already happening, but that can continue to happen for generations to come. And that's just the the awakening of people. I, I think you guys, again, with everything that you're doing with Let's Talk Down Everything, that it's just that awareness of this plant. And for example, just like with my parents, I mean, the awakening that my dad has had with this plant and his rheumatoid arthritis and cancer and, and using it has made him look at the world in a whole different way. And I think we see that and we've, there's probably a million stories out there. So I think it's with that and with the opioid addiction piece, again, there's that piece too that's going to awaken people because people have demonized the plants for so long that I myself as a a certified addictions counselor, you know, there's that value conflict that here I was for so many years treating, you know, souls or guiding souls, I should say, and, you know, having this love for this plant that I'm like, man, I knew what it was helping me with. And so I think there's an opportunity for a real awakening and healing for uh, on a lot of levels. Agreed. Uh, this one's pretty straightforward. I'll start with Dion, then we'll go to Shane. Dion, what is your favorite hemp product? favorite hemp product. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd say hemp spirit extract, of course. Of course. But, you know, yes, I do like hemp ice cream, I must say. <laughs> I've got a sweet tooth. <laughs> Yay, dog. What's my favorite hemp product? I'm, I'm certainly biased. You know, I love any hemp product that's going to heal anybody in, their, in the ways that they need to be healed. I know that here at Hemp Spirit Extracts, that's really what we focus on is we look at our clients, quote, our patients, and we make formulations for just them and for what they need. And so, you know, they're all my favorite. Every single one is my favorite. Somebody asked me the other day what my favorite cannabinoid is as a trick question, and I said CBGA because it creates everything else. And so it's all my favorite. I'm disappointed nobody said hemp guitars. Hey, did you want to say that? You've got a good trial here, Morris. I don't know. Uh, we're shame. You guys might have to jam together. Okay. <laughs> and the question was their favorite hemp guitar, Morris. We know your favorite. We know your favorite hemp product, not their favorite hemp product, but we know yours. Right. <laughs> I get it. My favorite's going to be the hemp volume knobs that go up to 11 that are on the. Oh, hemp yes. Final tap. <laughs> For there sure. You go. <laughs> You're in the band, my friend. <laughs> awesome. And the last question of the day is, what are your thoughts on Let's Talk Hemp? My thoughts are that it's wonderful. 
again, just to reiterate, just everything that you you guys continue to do to just raise everybody's voice in the industry and, and give people a platform to share and mm-hmm. to also kind of also what I hear in, in Native lands, Native and non-Native, is just where do we go to for sources and resources? And you guys have always been trusted people to me. And so I, I say keep doing what you're doing and, and thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, I think it was a great... Greek philosopher Archimedes said, give me a platform and I can change the world. So, you know, as an activist myself, I see that platforms like Let's Talk Hemp are incredibly crucial to educating the population because through the misinformation in the 30s and 40s, we all know demonizing cannabis in general, hemp, it changed the minds of people. And so, Having a platform like Let's Let's Talk Hemp is really crucial to educate populations to ultimately protect the plant and then protect us. Well, thank you, Dion, and thank you, Shane, for taking some time out of your day to to chat with me and Rick. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you guys. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Join the NOCO Hemp Expo crew June 16th through 19th for the Experience Hemp Summer Solstice event, our second virtual conference and trade show. Exhibitor and sponsor registration is now open and attendees get in for free. Brought to you by Colorado Hemp Company and Let's Talk Hemp Media. More information at nocohempexpo.com. All right, well, thanks to Shane and Dion from Hemp Spirit Extracts for sharing their time with us. Great conversation with those two. Yeah, it's so cool to have talk to people that have the economic interest, the the regenerative, you know, environmental interest, and the right mindset to move this this industry forward. So, really, really love what they've done. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they're gonna to do in the future and the whole slow hemp certification. I love that, and I I hope that they connect with the Hawaii people. Well, they are going to connect with. The folks in Hawaii because I'm gonna make the introduction. Yeah, I mean, Dan and I hung out in Hermosa Beach, so I'm pretty sure we can make it happen where we hang out in Maui, somewhere on the beach, and uh, get the farmers involved. And I mean, again, the their connection, the indigenous cultures, and their connection to the earth continued, right? Even over all this commercialism and capitalism and you know, bleachification well, of of our environments, right? And these people, I mean, they're still connected to the earth, and it shows and and their health and and how they're their perspective. Yeah. Conscious capitalism. So up so next, you, though, we have our uh, our good friend, Kurt Rayer from Poland. When did we first meet Kurt, Mao? Well, Kurt came out to NOCO in 2016, I believe. And we went out to Poland, was it in 2017? Yep, 2017 in October. Yeah, because it was Hemp 2020 in 2017. We were laughing about that. Exactly. And now it actually is have 2020, which we talk about, and COVID is here. So it, it, 2020 might be happening digitally. <laughs> Very uh, well but we were there. I mean, we were there when his, at his palace there in Nakla. God, way 17, way before he had completed some of the construction upstairs. I mean, we had Rafal, Meredith. We had some of the leaders. I mean, Anna. You know, Anna was there. there. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, it was just, we did a little video for him and, it was good. It was good. That was your first time to Poland too, right? Yeah. I had a great time. Hanging out in Krakow was good. Krakow is one of my favorite places in the world. I have that video. We should put that video where I had the, I ring the doorbell, I ring the bell for dinner. 
into my deaf ear, but I couldn't hear it, so I just ringing it straight up. I have that somewhere to dig that thing up. But yeah, those were uh, good times. We actually ended up seeing most of that same crew, Daniel Cruzday and those groups from Germany out in Nepal for the Asian Hymn Summit. Was it last year? 2019? 2019, like at the end of January, beginning of February. That's right. Both of our first times in Kathmandu. Yeah. And we got to play golf with the monkeys and Dan Hare. And those are two independent groups. The monkeys are one group and Dan Hare is another group, just so we're clear. And, and your monkeys led led by Dan Hare, but yeah, right. And we but had my golf, golf Sherpa. She was incredible. I would hit the ball. My normal hit we would slice. You know, sir, was it hooked to the right? Well, no, that's a slice. Yeah, it would slice the hell out of it and end up in the middle of the Himalayas. And she would somehow go up in the jungle where there's literally monkeys, and she would find the ball and bring it out. And I mean, this happened like twelve holes in a row, and finally she just stopped going up because she realized it was I had enough balls to get me through the rest of the tournament or the rest of the course. Well, that was good. Dude. Himalayan golf is, is tougher than it looks. Yes. Probably the highlight of the event was the international karaoke contest. Yes. Yes. They had made posters and third annual international karaoke contest, which uh, I guess the, the Nepalese the people from Kathmandu that were going to run it like, apparently were stuck in traffic, which we were very familiar with. And so somehow they convinced me to host the whole event, uh, the karaoke challenge, because I knew I loved karaoke. And uh, we had, gosh, we had all sorts of groups, different countries singing from India, Germany, U.S., Pakistan, Japan, Czech Republic. It was a solid performance, buddy. International performance. It was. And congratulations to Ellen Brown for taking home the first place prize. She killed it. She rocked it out. It's like, it was almost like that we are the world of karaoke. This is that international. But it turns out at the end of the day, the whole thing was just a prank on me, an elaborately done, well done prank by Dan Hare and Ralph Morgan to get me to host my own prank and my own fake karaoke. They had a fake, you know, they had posters made, big banners made, they had a trophy made, and the karaoke championship, the third annual karaoke championship was all a facade to, I guess, punk me, and they did. Yep, and I wasn't even in on the prank. I thought that was amazing. I thought for sure. I looked at you right away. I was like, Morris, well done. And you're like, wait, what just happened? I was like, holy cow. They just pulled it off fantastically. Exactly. I was just excited that Kurt gave me a mask. And I still got it right here. I'm looking at it right now. I love, those masks are fantastic. So thank you, Kurt, at a time. But yes, it was uh, those masks are fantastic. And they're very, each mask had a different personality, I guess, right? Do you remember what yours was? Yeah, it's got a whole shit ton of skulls on it, and I like it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what the personality was? I don't recall. I don't know. Death. <laughs> but yeah, I'll have to. I'll I'll have to ask Kurt uh, about karaoke championship and see if they had another one this last year because he was back this year, twenty twenty, and obviously we didn't make it because uh, Noco, big Noco Seven was coming up to prepare for before Corona took took everything sideways. But I'll definitely ask him if they had that this year. What do you think? Do you think they had one? I doubt it because the the same energy I don't think was in the in the in the space that it was when we were there. Agreed. Why don't well, we get Kurt uh, up? Yeah, let's get him in here. Hey, we got Kurt Reiher here from Hemp Today out in Poland. Kurt, brother, how are you doing? Well, we're hunkered down, man, like everybody else in the world. So we were just uh, reminiscing before we got uh, got on this call here about 
we were looking up, I looked up, you know, what's going on with hemp today and the hemp 2020, which is what Morris and I came out to back in November of 2017. Uh, we saw the video of, of what was going on there prior to some of the stuff we'll get into getting a whole hempcrete top put on the, uh, the palace, but uh, tell us what's going on for the, the hemp 2020 events for this year with, uh, with COVID what's going on for this fall. Yeah, it's pretty touch and go for us. Uh, we had to cancel our hemp machines and technology event in May, hoping to get that in by the end of the year. But we will do the entrepreneurship and investing on the 23rd and 24th of October. Uh, at least that's the plan for now, unless COVID-19 is still a factor at that time. Yeah, so that's, all, that's in October. But what what are things like in Poland right now with COVID? How are, are you guys still under the first lockdown or are you in resurgence? What do things look yeah, like? Yeah, it's it's still pretty pretty buttoned down. Warsaw, the big cities, particularly out where we are, we're in a pretty remote spot, so we feel very lucky about that here at uh, at our center. But yeah, it's it's still pretty well locked down. Uh, the number of infections is still going up, and the number of deaths and all that unpleasant stuff. Well, before we get into some of that, let's just just tell listeners they can obviously go. Check out uh, the links we'll have on the podcast. But tell listeners, what is the Nakla Palace? What what was kind of the impetus from going there and then turning it into really the hemp thought center of Poland and of all of EU, for that matter? Yeah, my wife and I purchased this old estate back in 2002 because we just fell in love with the property and uh, we're very interested in historic preservation. And we operated as a bed and breakfast. But when I got in, interested in industrial hemp and I thought it was a logical next move to begin to host international events here. So that was about 2014. Since that time, we've probably had 20 micro summits here. These are intimate events, quite high level with uh, people come from all over the world. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's where we are with it. We do course or uh, we do micro summits in health food and beauty, all of this in the context of hemp. We do, as you mentioned, we're building in the attic of this uh, old 18th century building with hempcrete interior walls in some space that was never used through nearly two and a half centuries. But we're kind of a, we're a hub. Uh, we're an international hub for exchange of information, uh, networking, as I say, we've had people from all over the world, and it's really, really been a fantastic, fantastic move that we made. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I know when I went out there in 2017, I think there was 16 different countries represented, and Marjana, your wife, made some amazing food with the cook there, all, all really good, healthy food, and it was uh, it was a really good time to uh, to meet people from all over the, the the world that we still keep in touch with. In fact, I mean, we saw a lot of them when we went to. Uh, to Nepal for the Asian Hemp Summit, which was pretty fantastic out in Kathmandu. How did the one go this year? Yeah, it was a little bit smaller. You know, it was at the very beginning of the coronavirus scare. And so we had about, I think, 75 people this year. We had maybe 100 the first year. It was, mm -hmm. Again, it was very interesting. Many, many interesting things going on in, uh, in that part of the world. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was very good, and we'll, uh, we'll continue to do it there in Kathmandu. Did you guys have the, the fourth annual karaoke championship? Kathmandu, no. Nepal, karaoke no. championship. No, not no, so no because we didn't have we didn't have the uh 
the entertainment directors that we had in the first year. Let's put it that way. So Ralph didn't make it out there. I see. That's interesting. Uh, great times. Well, yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you have going on. You have a, a hemp basic online course, which is coming out here in uh, in June, right next month. Yeah, this is a very. Uh, as we get into it more and more, it's very interesting. We're crowdsourcing information about the history of uh, hemp around the world, and so when you get, we go through our network to uh, have people. Uh, search for information in their native languages, and it begins to be almost overwhelming the amount of information that we've collected. So we're sorting through that, and uh, historical timeline is a really critical part of that course. But we'll be talking about the sectors and the potential in the sectors, looking at different uh, regions around the world, what that looks like, and really with a goal, of course, the we're trying to design the course so it could even be useful to beginning investors. But at the bottom line, our, our purpose is to attract talent to the sector because we need it. Yeah. I mean, it's now that hemp is legal, right? We need, we, it's, you know, we need people to help it go more mainstream. I mean, it's typically been fighting against the, the, the powers that be, but now that it, Hemp can be included and should be included in everything, working with the plastics groups and right and the building groups and the you know the the food groups and the animal feed groups. I mean all these all these tangential groups now are are part of what this plant can produce, right? So getting those contacts together makes a lot of sense. Well, absolutely. And I can tell you when we analyze what people are most reading on hemp today, it's really encouraging to see the interest in uh, fiber and uh, particularly in hempcrete construction. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been high on CBD for three, four years. And now with the market downturn, seems to be that people are now starting to look at the other applications for the plant. And that's, that's really uplifting. Yeah. I mean, some people are of the train that, you know, CBD ruined hemp, right? Versus I think CBD was just a way for people to start talking about hemp and utilizing hemp. And then we can pivot into these other industries that have been traditional, right? Plastics and construction and food and those sorts of things. So what are your Listen, thoughts? I, I think things are playing out in a normal way as they do with any new industry, or let's say in this, in the case of hemp, a reborn industry. Uh, it's unfortunate the you know the cowboys and the nefarious players that that ride along in any situation where a new market opens up, but it is a part of the natural process. Yeah, I I got into industrial hemp because I got fascinated about the potential in the construction industry. But clearly, when CBD then very shortly took off, I mean, it was obviously that as a medium that's trying to cover the industry that we do cover it and it's a very important part of the industry and the unfortunate thing is that those companies which had high expectations for profits many of them were talking about moving into the other sectors well that that's obviously not going to happen in that way but it's, as i say the market interest seems to be picking up you have a 
really good initiative there in the States with the U.S. Hemp Building Association just formed. And, you know, let's move in that direction. I'm, I, if I, if I'm anything, I'm more of a fiber guy than I am uh, even food or the other applications. The bioplastics, I think, are absolutely fascinating. And so many applications for hard applications, you know, for, for, as I say, for the construction industry, all the insulation materials that go along with that and the renders and finishes uh, that can be done from uh, industrial hemp. So, yeah, no, it, it's fascinating all the things we can do. So I think, tell us about what you did. So, so when we were there in 2017 at the palace there in Naklo, Poland, we were up in the attic, you had kind of created some rooms some makeshift rooms but it was, it was a little chilly you've now since used hempcrete to insulate and to build out that attic tell us tell us about that project and how that's going it's not so much about insulation up there these are interior walls and the primary two primary things the benefits of building with the infill of hempcrete is that it's you know it's an old building and i didn't want to put a lot of weight up there so hempcrete by comparison is quite light material the second thing is, uh, you know, we're, we have guest rooms up there, so the acoustics. So hemp fits absolutely perfectly up there. We build every year with one international workshop. We do in uh, cold winter months. And then throughout the year, we have a crew of Polish instructors who come in and we build, uh, we then promote and bring in uh, people from Poland to build. So it's... It's moving along. I would say it's probably one third finished now up there. We've got a couple of rooms that we can stick people in if they're family or friends. It's a little bit rough <laughs> up there. No, it's I, I love it. It was great up there. So tell us one more thing before we before we get into our four general questions we ask everyone. But uh, issues in Europe, in particular with CBD and food and THC limits, give us kind of a high level. Where is Europe at with novel foods, CBD, THC? Yeah, with respect to novel foods, which I should explain is essentially it's the food safety uh, mechanism for European foods. And it's a bit of a complicated story, but up until early 2019, the novel food rules allowed extracts flowers, leaves, and extracts from flowers and leaves treated like normal food, corn, or anything else that comes. So needing only to satisfy the general food safety rules in Europe. Early last year, for some reason, that rule got changed. And the leaves, flowers, and the extracts that come from the leaves and flowers are, not, are now considered to be a novel food or a new food, which must go through then a very long and expensive process of qualifying to be on the market. Even this week, I think we will be getting some news about a consortium now that has been organized, led by the European Industrial Hemp Association, and they will jointly apply for novel food status only so they can have their mar the products on the market in a legal way, despite the fact that they disagree with the rule change of last year and are working, meanwhile, to get that rule change back. 
So that's a rather complicated thing, but I, I tell you, Rick, it's it's in, in some sense it's still it's parallel with what's happening in the state. It's about in the United States. It's about it's about food safety, and so all these issues all over the world, uh, these issues are being faced by the hemp stakeholders and the associations and the companies that are working in the space. Yeah, I mean, you can say it's about safety, right, Kurt? But actually, it, it, we've been eating this. We've been eating this uh, hemp extract, right, from the flowers and leaves for thousands of years. But we've definitely been eating them. You know, save the last eighty, right, when it's been illegal. But we've definitely been eating it since 2014 in the states, right, 2013, 14. So uh, since the farm bill passed. So I mean, to 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 change, to arbitrarily change it, right, to make it to make it a new food isn't really about safety. It's not because it has, there's been no safety concerns really prior to this. I mean, that, that I'm aware of. Well, yeah. And there are, you know, we have our conspiracy theories in Europe, as you guys do in the States. And there are some stakeholders who believe that the pharmaceutical companies did have a hand in this rule being changed, which was happened rather mysteriously mm-hmm. um, last year. Yeah, it's and then with respect to the THC level, many people don't know that Europe operates generally on a 0.2% THC while the rest yep. of the world is operating on 0.3 and as I'm sure you also know many nations uh Ecuador, Uruguay, Australia, Switzerland have all set the limits at a full 1%. Poland's about to do something something along those lines, right? Uh, you never know what's going to happen in Poland, but there is a proposal that has been put forward by the Ministry of Agriculture to set the limit uh, in Poland for full 1%. And this has an interesting uh, historical background because, you know, in this part of the world, Poland, Romania, basically the old Soviet satellites, mm-hmm. uh, these were food and fiber nations, yeah? So... The fiber, many of the varieties that come from Poland and Romania and other countries are excellent fiber varieties, but they come in at uh, above the 0.2%. And so there's a whole family, a whole group of fiber varieties that can't necessarily really be grown here because of that. So, you know, pushing up at least to 0.3% will open the way for some of those uh, some of those cultivars to be planted in, in this part of the world. So the real- uh, this, this for- in fact, uh, excuse me, the THC question we believe is going to be resolved by the end of this year, that Europe will push the THC level back up to 0.3. And as I say, that will, that will help help get some of these really good fiber cultivars from this part of the world that are available in the ground. And the, but the reality is, right, a, a 2% THC fiber crop is not going to be used for the THC. It's be going to be used for the fiber, right? So there's there's ways to control that limit on the finished product versus on the plant itself, right? So I think there's there's lots of talk here domestically about some crops. If they go over that 0.3%, how you can still potentially utilize parts of the crop, right, the stalk and, and the stems and the roots. And so some states allow use of that. Some states don't. And so there's... No, I think it all comes down to the end use and, and really what, what you're trying to do if we're going to talk about where the limit should apply. Yeah, and then finally, Rick, the this level that we're talking about, 0.2 or 0.3, this is at harvest. Yeah, this is what mm-hmm. they call in the field here in Europe. 
there still need to be levels set for the levels of THC in the actual products themselves. This is also a gap in the regulatory landscape here. Yep. Same as, same as the States, same as the States. So Kurt, wanted to thank you for joining us. Want to uh, leave you with the four, leave our audience with the four questions. Uh, we'll ask uh, all of our audience, but uh, first and foremost, what are you most thankful for in the industry? Oh, the people, man. I mean, sure. we're a networking company. Yeah. So when we do our events, either the international events in, uh, in Latin America or Asia, you know, these are, we do them fairly small. The, the bigger events are a hundred people maximum and our micro summits here are like 25 people maximum. And you really, I mean, the, the amazing people that are in this industry, I mean, it's totally, you know, half of them are totally nuts. <laughs> which always keeps it interesting, but also the number, you know, the interesting things that entrepreneurs and innovators are doing, you know, it's just fantastic to see it. I mean, and to, I feel blessed to be, to have a small uh, seat uh, somewhere in the back row to, to observe all these, this, this industry being reborn. It's absolutely amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, secondly, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing our industry today? I would say, Let's look at that as an opportunity. Let, let, let's say what's the opportunity and the opportunity is to food and fiber, you know, food and fiber, particularly fiber um, and, and all the things that you can do with both the technical fibers and, and the herd. It's really a it's it's an absolutely tremendous opportunity. Yep. I like the pivot there. Absolutely. Is the biggest challenge is the biggest opportunity. But um, next, what is your favorite hemp product? Ooh, that's, a, one, hemp eh? sham that's a hemp shampoo bar made by our friends at uh, Herbs and Hydro here in Katowice, Poland. It's a it's in like five European countries, comes with a separate conditioner bar different flavors and scents. Really fantastic, uh, fantastic product. Nice. I think we had that when we were out, out there. Um, who, who makes that? That's Herbs and Hydro. Okay. Yeah. And we had the soaps when you were here. Yeah, I think we had the soap. Sell, uh, yeah, and they sell quite a few soaps. Uh, but this, this shampoo, these shampoo bars have become a huge hit for them. So they're actually their business is holding up. I was talking to them the other day. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a, I like Morris's plastic guitar, but he won't send me one. So. <laughs> well, we need to get them all, all done first, but I think I remember that first rendition of that bar. It was uh it was a good, uh, good line in the sand, right. From which to improve upon. So I think it was, uh, it was good. It definitely yeah. kept the bugs away. I think that's how it was sold to us. It, kept the bugs away. <laughs> it was effective for sure. Finally, before we leave our audience with uh, the final question, what do you think of, Let's talk hemp in the four two two podcast. Man, get some different intro music. Tell tell Morris <laughs> to calm it down just a little bit. Well, dude, we got to bring. I think it's up. really. I, listen, I think it's really great what you guys are doing, man. You guys really stir it up, and that's what we need. Thanks, man. We appreciate you, and we appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on uh, Let's Talk Hemp in the four two two. So, uh, everyone, this was a big thank you to Kurt Ryer from Hemp Today the voice of the global hemp industries. Thanks, brother. Good talking to you. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Stay safe. All right. Bye-bye. Guitars made from hemp. Guitar cabinets made from hemp. Amplifiers made from hemp. Speaker cones made from hemp. 
Guitar straps made from hemp. Are you ready to take your entire guitar rig to 11? Check out SilverMountainHemp.com and prepare yourself for the sound of the future. SilverMountainHemp.com Always good to hear Kurt's voice. It's been a while since I've actually heard it in person. Yep, it was uh, was great to talk to him and get caught up. They're doing some cool stuff, very involved with the European Industrial Hemp Association and uh, what's going on there with CBD and foods and a big play on the fiber side, obviously, with the Knuckle Palace, which is amazing. Um, using hemp inside their house or inside their palace, which is pretty cool. So big thumbs up to Kurt and hemptoday.net. Anybody wants to keep up with everything that's going on in the global hemp market, you should check out hemptoday.net. Hemp today, every day. That's what I always say. Exactly. It's almost like every day is Earth Day here at the 422. Oh, my gosh. I wonder which came first, the every day is Earth Day or the hemp today every day, which I guess just came today. So I guess every day is Earth Day came way ahead of time. Yeah, but it is hemp today, too. Hemp today has been around for a while. Yes, and they're great. It's fantastic. He comes from the media world. So just, uh, yeah, good global perspective. What do we have happening domestically? You got some news you want to share, Mo? Yeah, so one of the things, we always talk about obstruction and ridiculousness and stop being dumb and what the fuck. And so this week, it's amazing. So I'm talking to a partner here at WAFPA, the amazing Lori Baderas, who is a partner in WAFPA and in NOCO Hemp Expo, and she truly is amazing. And so she's Mm -hmm. doing a, She's she's looking into doing a shipping quote for us. We had somebody request hemp paper, and we have a lot of hemp paper in a warehouse that's in Denver. We've got master cartons that are sitting there. And so they asked us for a shipping quote for three cartons, 12 cartons, and 24 cartons. And of paper. Of paper. Of just paper. master yep. cartons paper. of paper. Yeah, just master cartons of paper. And ours happens to be made from hemp and recycled materials. So she calls three shipping companies to get quotes and we get a a good quote from one company. But the two other companies, for some reason, say, unfortunately, we cannot quote you on that because we cannot ship hemp. And it's like, really? You can't ship hemp paper? And they're like, no, I'm sorry, we cannot ship hemp. You cannot ship hemp paper. No, we cannot ship hemp. So there you go. We've got shipping companies that will not ship MasterCards, a hemp paper that would go to any printer across the country because there is hemp fiber in that paper. What the fuck? Yeah, that's pretty stupid. And I mean, there's still, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the point of we're talking about. It's still, we still have issues. I mean, the Farming Act of 2018 legalized it across the board, all cannabinoids, right? Hemp, cannabis, sativa, L, 0.3% or less. But it also then subjects that young, burgeoning, you know, very fastly growing, economically stimulating industry to the government regulation, which then in turn has destroyed uh, the industry with, with stuff like this and with FDA interference on the food side and just inability for for people to get banks, right? To use banking, use financial services, and ability to get insurance. I mean, insurance, I mean, we've all been quoted 
or had been unable to be quoted because we, we were a hemp company or involved with hemp, even if you're just a media company or a, or a paper company or, you know, a manufacturing company of food or dietary supplements, right? So it's just the overreach is, is insane on what we got. What about Facebook? I mean, you had, you've had some stuff on Facebook ongoing for a bit. In fact, you took out a billboard, Wofford took out a billboard on New York City, right? At, in Times Square, just to talk about the, the censorship. So let's get into that a bit. Yeah, well, as you know, with the Hemp Industries Association and the Hemp Industries Association launched the Hemp is Legal platform a year ago or whenever it was to to basically say, hey, Facebook, hemp is legal. And because hemp companies on Facebook have continued to be obstructed and being able to advertise their products or boost their posts. And whether that's a CBD product, whether that's a food product, whether that's a fiber product, uh, apparel product, companies across the board have had a lot of issues. Not every company, some companies haven't had issues, but the vast majority have, and we've been one of those companies. And whether that's us promoting NOCO Hemp Expo, Tree Free Hemp, our paper company, which is what originally got us flagged when we were promoting our hemp printed Declaration of Independence in 2015. Since then, we haven't been able to advertise hemp paper. And we've been struggling to advertise NOCO. We've been struggling to advertise One Planet Hemp that sells hemp t-shirts and hemp hats and Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars, which sells hemp guitars and guitar cabinets. And we're going into Earth Week here this last couple of weeks, and we could not advertise our virtual platform for NOCO Earth Week talking about how hemp can benefit the earth. And we also tried to promote one of our presentations submitted by attorney Bob Hoban talking about whole plant hemp and diversifying as a farmer. And again, Facebook rejected this with the message that it's against our policy to promote illegal activities or illegal products. So evidently promoting the earth and promoting all the benefits that hemp can do for the earth is illegal, according to Facebook. So there it is. That's where we're at still in 2020. Well, dude, here's what's crazy. And so, so the, the road trip, right? We made the documentary in 2017, right? Put it up, put up a trailer on Facebook. Right away, 22,000 you know, views, like pretty much the first month or two. And now we've been on that same 22,000 views for three and a half years, right? For almost four years, uh, which is actually impossible. Like, I don't know, unless you take your Facebook down, which we obviously didn't. So obviously, there's some manipulation going on. I think it's definitely an issue that, that in, is industry-wide. We're all feeling it. The censorship still, right, on a legal product. It'd be like censoring corn or censoring... I mean, I don't know, Procter & Gamble tied or something. You know, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense why, why you would censor a completely legal, internationally legal and domestically legal agricultural crop. It's still happening. No shortage of um, issues we still have to overcome, but we, we raised a lot of them at the Virtual Expo, the Virtual Expo uh, last, last week, which was absolutely fantastic. And we got the new one coming up June, what, 16th through 19th? Yeah, we're going to... So we did the NOCO... Hemp Earth Week for over Earth Week on April 22nd through the 24th. We're going to do the next phase of this where it's going to be expanded significantly. We had like four virtual rooms. Now we're going to have like 10 virtual rooms, multiple expo halls, 
a hundred plus exhibitors and multiple networking rooms broken out by category. And it's going to be over summer solstice week. So it'll be the experience hemp summer solstice virtual trade show and conference. And it's really sweet. We're going to have a lot, as we talked about earlier, a lot deeper dive and some experts and longer sessions, a little bit longer live sessions and quite a bit more participants, vendors, and people in the vault and uh, on the expo show floor to interact and network with. So good way to spend the summer solstice for sure. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, we're going to be doing a call for content. So if you're in the hemp industry and you have information and advice you would like to share with the industry, we're going to be creating a very expanded Let's Talk Hemp library that's open source for everybody to see, to hear, it's free to attend. And if you're an attendee, all you have to do is just register on the platform, put in your email, and you'll have access to all the content in the library. We want to build this huge library of free open source content available to the world so we can expand this industry and we can help change the planet for the better. Absolutely. And on that note, I think we should just say good day and good night to everyone out there. Absolutely. Happy day. Happy night. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. And um, please share with your friends and let them know. Let's talk hemp and the 422 brings all the hemp goodies to you. Cheers. Wash your hands. Cheers. The best way you can support the show is to share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com. And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.